Let's get it. What's up? What's up, Coop? How you doing, my guy? As always, surviving and thriving. How are you? I'm good, man. I love to hear that. It is our 50th episode of the Hampton Hoops podcast. We're nowhere near where we want to be. But my God, bro, we came a long, long way. Facts, facts. From that Huey's parking lot where I thought you were kidding with me about the pot. <laughs> facts, bro. <laughs> to facts. Now. It's hopefully, I'm just excited to cover our first like ever season. We covered that back half. Thank you all for, I think we're about to hit 40K subs. So I'm, I'm super stoked for that. And But let's get right into the news and notes of today. Patrick Beverly obviously got traded to the Lakers for Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson. But there is like an underlying thing that kind of flew under the radar with all of this. And that's like the athletic re- reporting that now that the Lakers have Pat Bev, it is more likely that Westbrook won't see the court again for the Lakers. And they're either going to try to trade him, which doesn't make any sense to me because, I mean, they've been trying to do that for months now. I don't know who's going to take on that contract, that $47 million contract. Or they're going to do the John Wall situation, which really popped off the page for me because... What Houston did for Jay Wall last year is they basically paid him to stay away from the team. You saw him on the bench a minimal amount of times, but I didn't know it had gotten that bad with Russ. So what's your reaction to all this Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook news? Yeah, and the most cryptic part about it is the fact that LeBron, when he heard all this, he was like, I can't wait for Russ to pop off next season. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, so is he going to pop off for the Lakers or is he going to be on a new team? Yeah, bro. I. This is a guy that's literally, like, a few years removed from being an MVP. Like, yes, he had a bad year, and I really do think it was just the team as a, in general. Yes, he was pretty bad. He still almost averaged a triple-double. Mm-hmm. And, like, if they do the John Wall thing, I think that's a waste of – I mean, you're literally wasting $44 million. Like, there's not, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're literally telling a guy, don't, don't show up. And so, like, I don't know. I hope this isn't the last time we see Russ lace up at all. Is yeah, my, my concern. I hope not either because we had people called me crazy a couple months ago when I when I put out a piece of content alluding to the Carmelo Anthony thing with the OKC. Like nobody thought Melo would be out of the league for one to two years, and he was. And I know it's shocking to think that about Russell Westbrook, a guy that just broke the triple double all time record, you know, at Washington two years ago. So it's just. I pray that they can somehow figure it out. But it is an awkward history with Pat Bev and Russ, right? Like, there is bad yeah. blood there. It's two fiery guys, and Pat Bev's not scared of anybody. And I I for sure know Russ isn't scared of anybody. He's not going to change his game for anybody. No. And they both cannot shoot. So, them in the backcourt does not make a whole lot of sense. And I heard Kendrick Perkins say something that was absolutely bizarre to me. He said it on first take the other day, and he was like, they could be the best defensive backcourt in the whole league. I'm like, okay, Pat Bev, I get. But Russ, did you not see, like, his lowlights of, like, I'm a Russ guy, but, like, he put no effort on the defensive end last year. It just didn't make any sense to me. No, that team last year was tough to watch defensively. Like, I mean, just straight up, they were one of the worst defensively, if I remember correctly. And, like, who's out there playing? Because you ain't got nobody else. Like, it's literally Russ, LeBron, street clothes. So, like, Mm -hmm. and Stanley Johnson was out there actually defending people because I remember watching him, like, when they first signed him playing against uh, the Nets, and he was out there clamping James Harden. And I was like, wow, this is funny. And so, like, and now Stanley Johnson's gone. And the biggest issue I take with this is not Pat Bev. Pat Bev does make them a better team. I I fully believe that, and I stand by that. Because Pat Bev's a really good player, and he's a winning player. Mm. Um, You chose Talon Horton Tucker over Alex Caruso. Mm. I think we'd both agree. Alex Caruso's a better basketball player than Talon Horton Tucker. He's older but he's a better basketball player. 
Tom Horton could turn out to be like the next greatest thing because he's like 21 years old, 22. You really lost a guy that's already a good championship contending type basketball player in Alex Caruso for this guy, and now you're trading him away for Patrick Beverly, who's 32, 31, 32. 34 now. Oh, Nate, 34 now. And that, that, bad, was, that, was the, that was the talk with him is like you're giving away Stanley Johnson. Yeah, he's young, but he's been in and out of the league, yeah. unfortunately. But you're giving away these pieces for 34-year-old. Me, it's a smart move. They needed to make a move like this because there's only so much you can do. THD's trademark is absolutely terrible right now, so I feel like getting Pat Bev for that is great. And yeah. like Pat Bev, whenever he was on that, you know, when ESPN had him on for the playoff uh, stretch, he was saying like, "If I was on the Lakers," and he was talking all that shit. Contender. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I'm just so glad he got his wish. He played for the Clippers for forever. He's back in LA. I'm sure him and his wife love that life. Yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting for the Lakers. It. It raises their floor a little bit, in my opinion, no matter how the rest situation breaks. This is the best form of business that the Lakers have done in the last two years. I agree. I'm not saying they're a championship contender. I'm not saying anything like that. This does make them a better basketball team because I agree. Trading Talon Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson for Pat Bev's like penny on the dollars, in my opinion. Mm. The Jazz, I mean, the Jazz don't care. Yeah. Pat Bev wasn't really going to – they didn't want a winning basketball player on this team this year is my – outlook on that but this is an awesome guy to get I mean this is a guy that's gonna be the gritty guy and even on that uh interview that you're talking about where he said if I'm on that team we, we're in the championship he said I'm gonna be the type of guy that's gonna tell you where to go on defense and stop slacking mm-hmm. like LeBron ain't gonna do that no nope. LeBron's just out there to do LeBron things which obviously that's awesome stuff but like Pat Bell's going to be the guy that's telling you, hey, get your butt back on defense. We got a game to win. Because Pat Bell doesn't want to lose, ever, no. ever. And so, like, it was funny. I don't remember who Draymond was talking to or who was talking about Draymond, but they were telling him that he was yelling at a dude saying, if he's outrunning you, you ain't going to be on his team. He's like, if you don't understand that there's 13, or there's two guys on the team that can do whatever the heck they want, i.e. LeBron, we'll say Anthony Davis for the sake of the mm-hmm. Lakers, the 13 other guys on this roster are filling a role. Mm-hmm. What's your role? Are you going to be able to do it? And he obviously said a lot of explicits in there, but I'm kind of refraining. But like, yeah, absolutely. He has a point. Mm-hmm. And Draymond and Pat Bev are similar personalities. They're going to be the guys that tell you, get your butt back on defense. Hey, get you, fill your role. Stop getting out. Like, you're not, you're not out here to drop 40 points. You're not, you're not Clay Thompson. You're not Steph Curry. That's what they do. You're not out here to just willy-nilly go out of your way and shoot like that. Exactly. I think that's what Pat Bev brings to this team aside from the defensive prowess that they desperately needed last year. They needed a dog in the locker room. And I thought LeBron, he, he's established a culture so many places. But last year, that was the worst culture, minus you know the first Cleveland run where he was yeah. a young cat. But there was no culture in that locker room whatsoever. That's why they were a 33-win ball club. And I feel like Pat Bev, even though he's not the dynamic scorer or offensive player, he's got that dog in him. Um He's just a vocal leader, and I feel like they needed somebody outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis to be able to do that because AD is not going to do it. And the thing about this Lakers team now, yes, they won a championship back in 2020. The only two players left from that championship team is LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I don't, it doesn't like change, like if they're a championship contender to me. But it it damn sure helps. I I truly believe that. And an underrated thing that's like 
keeps falling under the radar is where is Donovan Mitchell in all of this jazz stuff? Like, what is happening out in Utah? I hate to be like the Brian Windhorse, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. meme about it, but like, what the hell is happening out in Utah? I have no idea. Do you think it's the Jazz are trying to get more out of him because they overvalue him, or is it the league undervalues him? Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. obviously, you just finesse the system for Rudy Gobert, and I mean, we've talked a lot about that, and we're not going to get into that. But, like, is it one of those things that you're trying to get more out of him than it's capable of getting out of him? Or the league's just like, ah, we're not feeling Donovan Mitchell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because obviously the only teams that have really been involved are the Knicks and Heat at this point because I saw the Cavs backed out of trying to get yeah. him, which I don't – I'm glad the Cavs stayed away from that because I think the Cavs have a good roster. Y'all clearly know how I feel about my Cavs. Oh, I know. Uh, you know I love my Cavs, Dark Horse. <laughs> um but it just feels like his his it doesn't look like it's very good. Like it it's mm-hmm. honestly as bad as the KD one. And I mean, obviously, drastically different players. But like, it doesn't feel like his mark is very good. I agree. And th- there was a report that came out about a day ago saying that the Jazz are motivated to trade Donovan Mitchell before the start of training camp. But yeah. it just doesn't make sense when I think of Danny Ainge. He's usually a lot more calculated than this. That These reports are leaking out like this. That means that you're desperate and you're not going to get a full offer that you want. So I just don't – I have no idea what Danny Ainge is up to. Really, nobody does. But yeah. it's interesting how that's going to shake out. I think this entire offseason has been a play on the New York Knicks. He knows that New York wants him badly, and I think he's been trying to play with them. I, I have no idea because the Cavs aren't going to trade Jared Allen, Darius Garland, or Evan Mobley. Damn it, I knew that was going <laughs> to fall, but it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I think nobody's talking about Utah, and they need to – Donovan Mitchell is a guy that's scored over 20 points yeah. every year he's been in the league. So, What do you think is a fair offer from the New York Knicks for Donovan Mitchell? Dude, I I am super high on Donovan Mitchell. I think every like I, I do they have eight first rounders available? Uh, I think I think it's eight. Yeah, it's it something. It's that. yeah, it's some, I knew they had set themselves up for success, but I'm not sure what the perfect offer is. I know it's going to take pretty much every young guy they have: Quentin Grimes, um, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and a slew of first round picks. I feel like you're not getting a star from their young nucleus because they're not going to trade R.J. Barrett. I think they wouldn't trade Julius Randle at this point either. But I, if I'm Utah, I'm asking for a bunch of picks from New York. I don't think Emmanuel Quickly is going to be an all-star in this league. I don't think Obi Toppin is going to be that. Yeah. Quentin Grimes, whatever. Like, I don't know. I, th- I think out of that package, Quentin Grimes is the most appealing. Like, Quickly's awesome. Interesting. Qu- Quickly's been really good, but I think Quentin Grimes is one of those guys that, like, he hasn't had a chance. He, exactly. I think he, you give him the opportunity. I mean, obviously, they didn't win the summer league. Mm-hmm. He was filthy, like, obviously, it's Summer League, but y'all know I put a lot of stock in Summer League. Mm-hmm. But, like, he was filthy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he could score whenever he wanted um, and from any spot on the court. Like, I think he has – like, his upside's really high, and I, I think that's kind of where the Knicks aren't willing to give up some of those players. Obi Toppin, we don't know what he really is. He came in the league kind of at an older prospect, so, like, I don't know what that is. Quickly – He's still young, but like, like you said, can he be an all star in this league? Has Donovan Mitchell? But Donovan Mitchell's been one, right? Uh yes, I think yeah, he's been. multiple yeah. times. Because I mean, he's had playoff runs. You remember that thing with Jamal Murray? Too? Yeah. I just I have such a higher opinion of Donovan Mitchell. If he's played in New York or if he's played in L.A., I feel like he'd have so much more respect in this league. And he's 
He's that guy to me. Yeah. Um, but a piece of sad news is Chet Holmgren out for the season with the injury in his right foot. He was playing in a pro-am guarding LeBron James, and shit happens when you play people that are actually have weight on. But I, I hope the guy gets okay. Like, we're going to get our jokes off about, like, Chet being injury-prone because him and I, like, we, we've sang that pr- that song so many times leading up to the draft, and we hate that he's injured. And I, I really hope the best for him. But – I saw this turn into a debate, like where whether players should play in a pl- pro am or not, and to me that's ridiculous because these the pl- the reason the players do that is not because they need run. People are like saying, "Oh, well, you know, there's only way to get in shape is to play basketball." They're not playing real basketball. They're given a chance for the the communities that they go to to see them for free. Yeah. That's what it's about, and I think that's ridiculous. I know it was an NBA sanctioned event where he got hurt at, but I hate that that's turning into a debate because he's. I love seeing players at a program, man. Yeah, I don't think you should take them away from a program. Obviously, was it LeBron or DeRozan who was like, "Y'all better get out there and let people watch some free basketball," or it might have been Dejounte. Murray. Yeah, I was thinking. I think it was. It DeJounte, might have been Dejounte. Yeah. Um, you gotta let these do what? Oh, you might as well let the guys get some run. Like, like you said, it's for the communities. It's not for the NBA players whatsoever. Obviously, this is a freak freak injury. You never want to see a foot injury, um, but. There's been a lot of foot injuries with seven-footers. Mm-hmm. We've been dealing with our own foot injuries with a seven-footer. Miles Turner's been injury-prone. Jonathan Isaac. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and you just, I just hope this isn't like a residual thing. I hope this is something that doesn't affect him long-term. I, hope not I, I hate the fact that he's missing this whole season because you and I were both excited to watch him play mm-hmm. basketball. And the whole, like, the whole NBA fan base was excited to watch him play basketball. Um Obviously, it, I think it's a freak accident. I don't think anybody's to blame. I don't think a pro-am's to blame. I think he was just out there playing basketball, and it, it happens. I mean, knees are the same way, and so, like, I don't think him having to be out of a pro-am – like, NBA players not being allowed to play a pro-am is the main reasoning for him getting injured. I agree, and I saw Sam Presti, their GM, they had said, give me a pick. If you would have told me, give me – a random pick from one to eight, or give me Chet Holmgren and I have to wait an entire year. I, I'm not even thinking twice about it. I'm taking Chet Holmgren. So I, I'd respect for that. I yeah. hope the kid is okay, and I hope, like you said, it doesn't affect his career because, I mean, we've seen guys like Chris Stapps, Porzingis, all the guys you named, Jaron, Miles Turner, all all of those guys really struggle. Marvin Bagley, yeah. just these unicorn type players have really struggled staying healthy, and it's because they've played games. A massive amount of games leading up to this point, and yeah. seven footers' knees—they don't move and operate, especially when guys move like that. They don't move like the uh, the smaller guys. But how does it like? How does this affect his career long term? We hope it doesn't affect it, but like, do you see it having an effect? Depends on how he attacks this recovery. Mm. He could be one of those guys that he's in the gym working on his upper body, gaining some muscle, mm. filling out. A little bit. Obviously, he can't really do much basketball work with the foot injury, but like, right. it depends on how he attacks it. Because um, you can go at it and be nonchalant, be like Zion, get fat. Yeah, hopefully um, not. Ho- I, don't, I don't think Chet will have that problem. I don't think he'll ever. He, yeah, he got a lot of frame. He got a lot of frame to fill out, so he could probably <laughs> take a few burgers and <laughs> some donuts. Um, or he can go at it. He'd be like, it motivates him to get better, get stronger, get. I mean, it, it can do a lot of different things. So, it depends on how he goes at it. I really hope it doesn't have, like, the lasting effect of, like, it takes away that skill he had. Because mm-hmm. 
we got to see it on display for just the few games that he got to play in the summer league. The things he was doing, and that's what you're saying, like with seven footers to be able to move like a point guard. Mm -hmm. Like I remember one game when Jaron came up the court and sauced the dude up and then spun around him and dunked him. I was mm -hmm. like, what? And like rebound full court. I was like, that's awesome. Absolutely. That's a seven foot guy doing that, and that's what Chet was doing. So like, there's a reason we call them unicorns, and you just hate that that injury happened, how it happened. <laughs> and but like, like you said, playing thousands of games since birth to now like yeah. i mean they've played so many like to tread on the tires is worn down so like exactly. um i i hope it doesn't but i i think it will all depend on how chet really goes at that offseason recovery i i think so too and i think this could serve as like some like sort of a humbling experience we've all heard interviews with this guy he's not the not the most humble of of these young cats but um maybe it, he'll attack recovery, and you know we can just pray that he comes back. Cause I, I was, we were, we had talked about OKC. We had done, we'd already, I think we had previewed that division. It was a Northwest division. Mm -hmm. We'd already previewed, so we we're excited about OKC possibly making a playoff appearance through the play-in. You know, but like for OKC fans, what should they expect now? Like in my opinion, I think Shea can still be an All Star if Giddy takes that leap. They can still be, uh, you know, in conversation for the play-in, but. Not having Chet defensively and that shot blocking, because that's something that carries, right? We didn't know if his offense, his inconsistency in offense, would carry straight into the NBA, but we knew his defense, being able to slide his feet, and shot blocking ability would, you know, translate right away. I don't know what to expect right now. What do you? What should they expect, OKC fans? Sadly, I think it's a Shea plays fifty games and then is out with a mysterious uh, injury. Um, which I hate because, like, we had talked about so much in that preview how excited we were to actually get to see a full season of Shea, Giddy, Dort, Chet. Um, I hope that's not the case. I really I really do hope. I think this gives OKC fans a chance to see, like, the Jalen Williams because, obviously, those are some bigger guys. So they're going to get some run now. I think this is going to be a – because of how many draft picks you had – you're going to get to see a little bit more of those. Usman Jang, mm -hmm. guy they got in the trade with uh, the Knicks. Mm -hmm. He might get a little bit more run now. So, like, it's one of those things where, yes, you lost the guy that you were really banking a lot on. You lost your John Morant slash Jaron Jackson, to put it in perspective of Grizz fans. But you got – it's next guy up mentality. Who's going to be a guy that's going to be a keeper on this team long term? Because, obviously, you're not going to be able to keep 17 young guys because, at the end no. of the day, their contracts all come up at the same time. So, you can't keep everybody. Mm -hmm. Who's the key, who's the keepers? I think this might be an opportunity for OKC to kind of weed out the guys that aren't going to be on this team long term. Mm -hmm. I agree there. I just I agree. I just I hate to say this. I think Shea does sit out because I like I've made so many times. I think he can be a first time All Star. I think he can be a first time All Star. But it's a similar roster to last year. You gave Lou Dort all this money too, so it's just. OKC fans, it's not a good week for them. Maybe next year. Like, I know they've been waiting ever since Russ left to make that playoff appearance. It's coming soon, I promise y'all. Let's move to the Brooklyn Nets. We've talked about them at nauseum this offseason. But let's let's talk about Kevin Durant once again. How long do you think before he asks for another trade? Or does he not ask for another trade? You know, I don't think he does. Okay. I don't think he does solely because I think that meeting 
with all the people that he wanted to get fired and the, the owner of the team. Mm-hmm. I think that meeting is them saying, what do we got to do to make you happy to stay here? Mm-hmm. So I think all the other players might be traded. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. That's just me off the dome. But, like, I, I don't think he does. I think KD, as much as we were giving him crap, because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was giving him a bad rap. I got rookie cards on him. So, yeah. like, I need him to keep playing basketball. <laughs> Shout out John Roser. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, he doesn't want to – like, yes, he's a villain in some cases. Like, his Twitter game is fire. He's always been fun to, like, poke fun at and then him come back at you because exactly. it's always been that sort of thing. This one's a different light, in my opinion, like what he's been this offseason. It's not been the light you want to be in. No. Um, you've had vets who have been retired for years now saying, wow, I miss when the NBA was more for the fans than it was for the for the players. Um, and that's all because they're like, we never went in there and demanded a trade. We played for the team that had us, and if we didn't want to be there at the end of our contract, we got to go. Or if they deemed us not worthy to stay on that team, they traded us. He was like, we stayed put. We didn't demand out. We didn't do none of that crap. And I think that's just one of those things that if KD can come out and have a year like we all know he's capable of, obviously, hopefully injury-free. Um, Brooklyn's not one and done, doesn't even win a single game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think it'll kind of put all that to bed. I don't think he does, but what are you thinking? I think it's next offseason. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to like be so quick with it. I, I actually think it's next offseason. I think Ben Simmons can have some sort of a good season. I just I don't view this team any different than I did last year. Like I get the Royce O'Neal thing. I get the TJ Warren thing. And, yes, you're adding Ben Simmons to this. But, like, you lost Bruce Brown. You lost some sort of depth there. And this is a team that got swept in the first round, the only team in the entire playoffs to do that. I don't think Ben Simmons can fix that, especially a, a hobble Ben Simmons coming off a major injury, extremely discouraged. And I hope, like, his uh, mental health is okay now. But I just – I have no belief in the Brooklyn Nets. I think they could have a potential to make it to the conference finals. I don't think they will. And I damn sure don't think they're winning the NBA finals. I just – and Kevin Durant sitting around with that. It's going to be a toxic locker room because you're walking in. Steve Nash knows this This ever like, called for my job. <laughs> the GM's going to be watching practice. Yeah, Kevin Durant called for my job, but, you know, we'll, we'll do anything to please him. Yeah. But it, KD's never going to be pleased. He hasn't been happy since he left OKC. He wasn't, wasn't happy in Golden State. wasn't happy in Brooklyn. And like our good friend, like Chris Vernon says, it's been a bad ending now three different times. Yeah. In OKC, in Golden State. It almost happened in Brooklyn, and it will happen in Brooklyn next offseason, in my opinion. The reason I don't think it'll happen is mostly because of how tanked I think his value is. And not in, like, a mm-hmm. basketball sense. I think all the GMs are like, I don't, I don't want him coming to my team, and then after a year of it not going well, he'd come from my head. He's like, I like my job. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think head coaches, like, are sitting there like, yeah, I really want that guy to come on my team and something go wrong. Yeah. Like, it's going to turn out to be our fault, not like anything else. And so, like, we're he, I think he holds a little too much power. And I think Kevin Durant kind of needs a humbling experience. And obviously, that's a weird thing to say for a guy who's top five in this league right now. I think he needs, he, he needs a reset. Um, I think if Ben Simmons can come out and play anywhere near his capability defensively and, and just help mm-hmm. make this team better. I think if they can compete and have a good season, I think that will help drastically. But I think Kevin Durant kind of needs to lay low for a good hot minute. <laughs> it's just hard for him to do that on social media <laughs> and everything. And, like, if it doesn't work out in Brooklyn, if they 
don't win a championship, it's going to haunt him forever. Like, do those Golden State titles count for him? In my opinion, every championship counts. It's a yeah. ridiculous question, but you know it's going to be talked about. Yeah, so, he's still a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's still a Hall of Famer. He's still a two-time NBA champion. Yeah. And look, people think Steph Curry won those finals MVPs. KD was a finalist MVP both times in Golden State. Until this last championship, Steph was like searching for a finals MVP. He finally got one. But KD was the man in Golden State, even if it was Steph's team. So yeah. I have a lot of respect for KD. But you and I were talking off air about everyone, when we're thinking of Brooklyn's, talking about Kyrie Irving, um, what is he doing in his final year of his $37 million uh, contract he's going to be making this year. Kevin Durant. When's he going to ask for a trade? But no one's talking about Ben Simmons right now. I had talked about him just a little bit. In my opinion, he's in a perfect position, surrounded by shooters and Seth Curry and Joe Harris. But do you think he can have a bounce-back year next year? I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm obviously – I'm more in Ben Simmons' corner as opposed to every other NBA fan. I think Ben Simmons is a good basketball player. Yes, he's not really geared towards this league because he cannot shoot to save his life. Um, unless it's in that DeAndre Jordan little circle in the paint. But his playmaking and his defense are the reasons I think he can have a good year. Because not that the Nets lacked playmaking, because, I mean, you have James Harden who can average double-digit assists. You have Kyrie and KD who can pass it on occasion. But you don't really have an issue with creating shots on that team. But I think Ben Simmons brings it to a different level because his playmaking is that good. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously his defense is well beyond anybody else's defense on that team. I mean, he's an all-NBA defensive first-team type of guy. Um, so I think if he comes out and he just sticks to business and sticks to basketball and plays, that's a big thing is if he plays, um, he, you don't have to play 82 games. I ain't telling you that. Mm-hmm. LeBron ain't played 82 games in probably 20 years. Yeah. Um, but if you just come out and play basketball, stick to the basketball, play good defense, play your role, Fill your role. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about Draymond Green. The Brooklyn Nets, it's probably KD and Kyrie. Those are the two MFers that can do whatever they want, right? Exactly. Ben Simmons, you're now filling a role. Mm-hmm. What's your role? Figure that out. Stick to it. I think if he does that and you're the defensive juggernaut and you're the playmaking guy and you get your baskets when you need to get your baskets, I think he'll be fine. I think you're right, and – his stock is so low right now. I, it may be too low because, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion, I'm still not buying stock. <laughs> like I can't get that Atlanta play of him passing up a layup and then how he handled that entire situation last year. I, you know how hard I am at forgiving people. I'm still working on James Harden. I just saw. Did you, by the way, did you see that video of him throwing a cake off a boat? Uh uh-uh. uh. So James, there's this video. Sorry to get off topic. I have ADD, but anyway, <laughs> he was like, he was like partying or something. They were all on this yacht, and James Harden. He's like, I think it was his birthday party or something. He had this big ass cake, and he just chunked it off the boat. And I saw a tweet underneath it. It was like, dude, really trying to stay skinny this <laughs> off season. I was like, damn, I may get some James Harden stock. Skinny James. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, what I was getting to is, are you buying stock in Ben Simmons this year? I will. It sounds like you I will. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't blame you. It's super low. But yeah. yeah. I'll buy some cheap stock. Exactly. Come on. You're give not going to lose shit. Two cents. Yeah, exactly. I'll take them. <laughs> two cents turns into two grand, imagine. But, yeah, I get it. Like, if things don't go well, I think they do shop him around around the trade line or trade deadline this year. I just don't think it'll get to that point, though. 
you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to get that bad where they have to shop him around. But if it does, they're going to do whatever KD asks them to. So yeah. if KD comes to him, like, hey, I want this guy shopped around, they'll do that for sure. Do you do you think that you don't think it'll get to that bad either? I don't think it'll get to that bad. Um, I am. I think Kyrie would be traded before Ben Simmons, if mm. that makes sense. I think. Um, Obviously, an expiring contract. I don't think it's going to get to the point where they've had a bad enough season to where you got to get rid of your expiring contracts just for some assets at the mm. end of the se- or at the trade deadline. But we'll see. Uh, Brooklyn's obviously one of those big, massive question marks, like we've said for this entire offseason, because we just have no clue what's going on in Brooklyn. Yeah. It is a basket case right now. I completely agree. And now let's move into the Bleacher Report's 10 most underrated offseason moves. This Bleacher Report does a great job, obviously. You and I subscribe to pretty much all their stuff. At number 10, the Pistons getting Alec Burks, Nolan's Noel, and Picks for pretty much for free. I think that was a Kimba Walker trade, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think Kimba was involved in that as well, but... How do you see the Pistons going into basically getting – I think Nerland Noel is a big loss for New York. They they did make up for it with Isaiah Hardenstein. But do you, do you, do you think that's an underrated move for Detroit? I do. I think Detroit's made a lot of really good moves for their basketball team this year, and that being one of them. Um, you obviously got a bunch of picks. I don't even really remember what it was for. Mm-hmm. Um, but that those are good basketball players. Those are quality basketball players. Do they end up playing for P- Detroit? I don't know yet. That's to be determined. Um, Because this is a young, young core. But I think Detroit has geared themselves into slowly but surely surely starting the we're going to make the play-in, maybe sneak into the playoffs this year. Next year we're going to be solidified in the playoffs. Next year we're going to be contending. Like, you know what I mean? They are on that trajectory to get to the beat where we're contending for five years. Yeah, I completely agree. And at number nine, this is the one I think should be a lot higher on this list is Bruce Brown signing with the Nuggets. Uh, he's a hustle guy, and him having – being at Denver, they they needed a dog, and I feel like Bruce is one of those guys. I love Bruce Brown. Um, I think that is a drastic loss for the Nets because of his positional value. He can play really any position you need him to play. Um, and I think Jokic is going to love having a guy like that on the team because he is a hustler. He is going to defend his butt off, and he's going to play whatever you need him to play. Um, he's an awesome role. Exactly. Guy. Like it's and it's hard to believe he's only six four, right? Yeah. He plays way taller than that. So I think Bruce Brown with the Nuggets is really big. Number eight, they have Kendrick Williams signing an extension with OKC. I'm not even going to spend time on that. I don't even think it should be on this list, in my opinion. But number seven is very interesting for you, my friend, because they have Jalen Smith re-signing with the Pacers. I know how high you are, Jalen Smith. I like Jalen Smith a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think him and Miles Turner have a lot of similarities because um, they're both big men that can shoot the ball really well. Um, and he played really well in those when he got traded from the Suns to the Pacers last season. I think Indiana is – we talked about this in their preview. We don't know how deep the rebuild will go. I don't think Miles Turner will be a Pacer very much longer. I think his – they were trying to get rid of him and Sabonis last year, but then he got injured, and so they were like, well, crap, we can't really trade him now because his values plummeted. And I would know because I've had him on fantasy basketball the last, like, four <laughs> years, and he's been IR stashed every year. Um, but Jalen Smith, I think, can be that Miles Turner kind of pushed him out of the fold. Um, I, I am really high on him. I really did want the Grizzlies to go out and try and get him because I think he's a perfect backup big for us because we don't have another floor spacer big other than Jaron. Um, 
And so I thought he would have been really, really good. And the only problem with us going to get him, it probably would have been the sign of the times for Xavier Tillman, and it probably would have pushed him out of our roster completely. Um, but I do like Jalen Smith a lot for that Pacers team that isn't a rebuild. But I think it's an accelerated one based on who they have. I agree. and I, Like you and I discussed, I think it's a make-or-break year for Tyrese Halliburton, right? Yep. Because everybody's talked this guy up. He's never averaged over 20 a game. He's going into his fifth year. It's time. You're on a rat team. You're going to have all the FGAs you want. So Tyrese Halliburton needs to step up. Jalen Smith being there alongside him, stretching the floor. I'm a big fan of that. I, I like the idea of him being a backup big for the Grizzlies as well. <laughs> Uh, but I think I think that's really interesting. Another underrated one at number six, Bleacher Report has the Hawks getting the Kings first rounder, Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless for Kevin Herter. I think this is a great one to have on this list because they did get a haul for Kevin Herter. Yeah. I think Justin Holiday is a good basketball player. We would know we've we've got to watch him on the Grizz. He's a good role player. Mm-hmm. Um I think the Hawks were kind of running into a situation where and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Kevin Herter's not that great at defense, right? No. He's yeah, not, he's a no, he's a shooter. Yeah, yeah. Um, pure shooter. They didn't have defense. That's why they went and got Dejounte Murray to cover up Trey Young. Kevin Herter was him and Trey Young in the backcourt was just abysmal to watch defensively because Trey Young is like one of the only players in 2K that has like an F rating on defense, mm-hmm. which is just justly so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Justin Holiday can play some defense and he can bust a three. He's mm-hmm. a good guy that to get 13 minutes a game, mm-hmm. and I think that's good for them. Absolutely. At number five, we have Cavs bringing back Ricky Rubio. This is a guy I wanted Boston to go out and get before they traded for Malcolm Brogdon. Ricky Rubio, I think, is a really underrated guy. And hopefully he can stay healthy next year, but he was very important when it came to Cleveland. He was a part of that young, fun, top-four seed that Cleveland started out to be last year. They ended up falling into the play-in, but – Resigning Ricky Rubio is huge for them. Huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even mention it. I literally wrote it down in our <laughs> uh, preview of the Cavs recently. Um, that is a massive, massive, massive thing for them. Because Ricky Rubio last year, like you said, when they were the number four seed, Ricky Rubio was a lot of the reason behind that. He gives Darius Garland a break. Darius Garland, when he was on the court, was the playmaker, and he would he was their, he was their guy. But when he got off the court, Ricky Rubio kept the offense going. Mm-hmm. He's our he's their Tyus Jones. I think Ricky Rubio is a huge, huge asset for the Cavs, and I think that was an awesome resigning. I agree. I, I, I can't really say anything else to it because I think him being alongside Darius Garland, it gives them uh, – he's not going to obviously replace Darius Garland, yeah. but if he has an ankle injury for a couple of weeks, Ricky Rubio can keep you somewhat afloat and go exactly. 500 for that stretch. Uh, number four is one that's very close to home, Cooper. Sixers trading for D'Anthony Melton. This is massive. They had yep. – we, we've said time and time again, Sixers went from having one of the worst benches in the NBA. I think they actually did statistically have the worst bench in the NBA to now having one of the best, adding D'Anthony Melton, adding P.J. Tucker. How big was the Sixers adding D'Anthony Melton? That is number four on the list, by the way, those of you keeping track. You got younger. Um, and so, obviously, the trade was the Grizzlies got the 23rd pick yes. in the draft mm-hmm. and Danny Green, um, who is not going to play basketball until probably January because he's coming off a torn ACL um, in the final game of their season, I think. Um, and they got DeAnthony Melton. I think we got a lot for DeAnthony Melton, to be honest with you, based on his playoff run because that is our one knock on DeAnthony Melton was his – lack of ability in the playoffs. And I don't say that to be mean to DeAnthony. Yeah. 
D'Anthony is a younger Danny Green. He's smaller than Danny Green, so obviously not comparing them like that way. But like three and D, yeah, that's that was our guy. I mean, Absolutely. he could come off the bench and have a heater and have twelve points, and you'd be like, "Dang, when did he get twelve points?" And he's just made four threes like back to back to back to back, and like he's gonna defend you. Like he is one of those guys that will be up in your grill until you're tired of him being in your grill to get rid of the ball. Um, so I think that's a huge, huge piece for 76ers. Just like you said, three and D, he hit 40.6 percentage of his catch and shoot threes, and they they illustrate in here it makes him a great fit next to Harden. I think so because Harden's just gonna dribble the air out of the ball and then pass it, you know, swing it to the corner and he's swing Mel- yeah, Melton's gonna knock it down. But something that's laughable in here because you and I we've watched a ton of Anthony Melton. He, the writer uh, at Bleach Report said he gives them real depth at point guard behind Maxi and Harden. He's not going to be playing. <laughs> nah, point guard. I promise don't. you that he does. He can't look up. Like I, in transition, <laughs> I get I, I get scared of him with the ball, bro. But like <laughs> as far as hustle guys, deflection, steals, rebounding, energy off the bench, he's absolutely fantastic there. And he can knock down the three. And they yeah. say here that he's got two years, sixteen point three million dollars remaining on his contract, so he's really yeah. low cost. Not well. not a bad contract for him, but laugh that is laughable that they said point guard because I ultimately think that's why the Grizzlies chose Contrar over him because Contrar yeah. can can have the ball in his hand and play make a little bit more yeah. than him. Absolutely, and I think Contrar. Nobody outside of Memphis knows his name right now. You're gonna know his name. I'm you're gonna know so he's John gonna Contra. be the DeAnthony Melton of next year. Jitty is his name. <laughs> Jitty. Uh, number three is I uh, once. An all-star up in Indiana now. He's kind of had an injury history. But the Miami Heat re-signed Victor Oladipo, Oladipo, which was interesting because he's been kind of a disappointment leading up to this year. And he had a great, I think it was first or second round of the playoffs, really, where he played really well. So how do you how do you feel about Victor Oladipo returning to the Heat? I personally love Vio. Um, I think he's a good basketball player. Obviously, injuries have just uprooted his career. Um, I think he's found a nice home in Miami. Um, I thought Miami's biggest flaw in that final game, or we'll not even say final game, we'll just say final series against Boston, was their depth. Um, obviously, injuries kind of ravaged them, and they found uh, some guys in Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, some of those guys that just came in and played really well. Victor Oladipo, is, there was a reason he was drafted number two overall um, to the Orlando Magic all those years ago. Um He's a really, really good basketball player. Um, I think he is a better fit in Miami with the way that Miami plays and how they've played for God knows how long. Um, I think that's a that is an underrated move because it's not been talked about at all. I I agree, and the thing, my biggest question for Vo going into next year is, can he support the shot creation of Jimmy Butler? Because we all saw JB had no help in the playoffs on an offensive standpoint. If he wasn't yeah. going, the Heat weren't going on offense. Yeah. So hopefully Vo can be more consistent there because we we saw flashes last year. Can he be consistent? But when you're re-signing for a two-year, eighteen million dollar deal, I mean that's a no-brainer yeah. to sign Victor Oladipo. He did say on Vince Carter's show the other day that he's one of the best players in the world. Period. I think that my injury has a kind of built a misconception on who I, who he is. A lot of confidence. I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far. I, I do think that. your injuries messed you up. Yeah. I don't know. It should be the best player in the world. Exactly. He he went on to say, he was like, being in my 10th year, it feels like I'm in year one all over again. Okay, all right. I'm just going to stop reading. We'll move into <laughs> number two. Um, this is a guy that I'm not high on this. You may be, but TJ Warren signing for the minimum with the Brooklyn Nets. That's number two. 
I think the contract you got him on is going to play a lot to that if he can play the way he played two years ago in the bubble. Because that's the thing. You're banking on a guy that hasn't played basketball in two years. Granted, two years ago in that bubble, bubble TJ Warren was a different type of TJ Warren. So if you're getting that guy for the minimum, hell yeah. That's like the Grizzlies with Desmond Bain. Like, we'll milk that cookie until it's gone. Can he be that? And that's a big, big, big question because I personally – that was kind of like a mad move to me because you're Indiana. You're like, why would we re-sign him? We're not going to get anything for him, and he's not going to fit on this team anymore. So, like, that's kind of a mad move to me. And people still have T.J. Warren from the bubble sucking his head. Like, he's still been making moves like that. He's played four games in the past two seasons. Like, in the fact that you're you're trying to sell that to me – on an already toxic Brooklyn squad, I don't think that's going to do too much. He's he's about to turn 29. He averaged in that like 2019-2020 season, the bubble season, he averaged 19.8 points per game. It's not like he was averaging a 30 yeah. ball or something. So, does, does he start for Brooklyn or is he going to be a bench guy? I think so. Let's go through their starting line. Yeah, <laughs> obviously going to go th- Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons. Around that's where it gets tricky. I think you have to start T.J. Warren and Royce O'Neal there. I think the two new okay. guys have to start. So Kessler Edwards, uh, no. Is that putting Ben Simmons as your center? I would. I'd put him at the five. I'm done with Nicholas Claxton. I've seen that. I've seen him at the center for Brooklyn. I don't. I don't. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't even remember who's on their team. I was gonna say Drummond, but I forgot he signed. Yeah, Drummond's with the Bulls now, which we both love. So Kyrie at the one. I'm with Royce O'Neal at the two or the three. Kevin Durant, I think, can play the three or the four. Ben Simmons can obviously play the one through five. Um, yeah, I'd probably go that that lineup. Of, yeah, maybe Seth Curry in there. But then, yeah, yeah, instead of Royce O'Neal yeah. or TJ. Patty Mills, I'd have come no. off the bench still. Patty Mills, dude. His, him Patty, last year, he, he should have never, never left the Spurs. Oh, my God, dude. He should have never left the Spurs. And, like, the change in cultures. Yeah, he should have <laughs> never left the Spurs. So, I've seen Cam Thomas coming no. off the bench. He can be a heater. He's not going to start, though. Joe Harris is finally coming back. but He yeah, might start it's, over it's, Warren or Royce O'Neal. It's either got to be Seth Curry or Joe Harris. Yeah. Open. You can't have those two guys on a bench unit together. No, that yeah. defense would be abysmal. Yeah, it'd be absolutely terrible. De'Ron Sharp's still on the roster, yeah. Yeah. Five, yeah, no, I think we. Yeah, Ben Simmons might be the starting five, which might help him. It I, might, it I might should, help him a lot. Because, dude, they only have one center on the roster right now, and I don't think you should start Nicholas Claxton. No, Claxton. Like Ben Simmons can guard anybody, and he's a terrific rebounder as well. Like everyone knows, he can do everything except shoot. So, Facts. Um, but let's go back Side to this <laughs> number one on the top ten most underrated moves of the NBA offseason. Kind of came guess. as a surprise guess. I'll let you guess. Now you said the surprise. I was going to say Jalen Brunson because I know everybody's been like on that one hard, hard, but underrated. Christian Wood? No, that actually should have been on this yeah, list. Yeah, that's not and, on the list. Instead of like, hold on, hold on. Before <laughs> I get to number one, instead of Kendrick Williams inking yeah. an extension with OKC, like what is it? I'm sorry, Bleach Report, this is an incredible article. But my God, get Christian Wood on here, man, because that is underrated. Um, but number one, you done guessing? I'm trying to remember any other move. Uh, maybe Malik Monk to the Kings. <laughs> no, <laughs> dude, him and oh. Kevin Herter is gonna be hilarious. Lonnie Walker. Uh, no, it's not on here too. You think it'd be on here for clicks? That's all I Lakers, got. Yeah, that's all I got. Dante Divincenzo. Ah, uh, to the Warriors. Champ. Yeah, uh, that kind of saved. Damn the Warriors. <laughs> I know, dude. I like. I had no problem with them going into the off season. 
And then they lost Gary Payton. I thought that was big. I thought yeah, they, that's not on the list. That's yeah. A, I, yeah, the Portland thing isn't on the list either, but, you know, Kendrick Williams can really make a difference. <laughs> Kendrick Williams better be an all-star next year. Absolutely. <laughs> but Dante DiVincenzo is huge because yeah. that made up for the entire offseason for the yeah. Fiend World Champs. I think they even could be better than they were last yeah. year. Because so. I remember me and you and we were talking about who had the worst offseason. I, I mentioned if the Warriors didn't sign Dante DiVincenzo, it would be the Warriors. Bro, Guess all right. It's a two-year contract. We talked about you know numbers with these with D'Anthony Melton. I think it was like two-year eighteen or two-year sixteen or whatever. And the other guys we talked about. Guess is uh, what D'Angelo signed for two years. Two-year twenty. No. More or less. 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 Two-year fifteen. Less. <laughs> no way. Two-year ten. Less. No. Two-eight. Two-year nine million dollar contract. He's 25, bro. It's not like he's, like, 35. I, why do the Warriors get richer? Like, <laughs> what why? Money, what money do they have to spend? Like, I get, like, how cheap they got. but Dude, dude. they're so far over the luxury tax. They it can't even get Dante DiVincenzo what he deserves. Bro. It is outrageous. Dang. And listen, listen, to, listen to this shit. Warriors fans, you should be happy right now. Because we never, like, talk in a high like Yeah, we're never, we're never giving y'all, but like, y'all, praise. Yeah, That's oh a good deal. Oh, my God. You are... You, DiVincenzo should thrive as a floor spacer alongside Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green, feeding off wide-open looks. He will have wide-open Yeah, he looks, won't yes. be guarded. He he will be like what uh, Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson were in the corner, but he, at least he can make the shot. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, because they lost Otto Porter and Gary Payton, too. Yeah. yeah. Otto yeah. Par- Porter going to Portland, or to Toronto's underrated. Yeah, that's too, a good so. one, too. Yeah, I thought this was a good list, man. And I yeah. thought and we just made our own list. Y'all just yeah. got to hear our yeah, list, exactly. too, because we just named probably like 25 <laughs> underrated moves that weren't number one. <laughs> what was another one I didn't like? Because I'm bragging on the Kendrick Williams one, but. Yeah, shout out Kenny Hustle. Yeah. Ken- Kenny Hustle, that's that's all I got for Kendrick Williams. Jalen Smith should be like number 10 to the 7, but yeah. that, that's just me. What was 10 again? Uh, 10 was Alec Burks. No one's in a while. I was a, trying to be positive yeah, about that, that, but like. <laughs> Bro, come on now. Shout out Gary Payton. I really wanted Gary Payton in the Grizz. Same, I did too. I thought this was an average list, but it was pretty good. fantastic 50th episode in my opinion. Yeah, facts. Well, all right, well, Coop, I hope you have a great day, my friend. Yes, sir, you too.